Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joan. On today's episode, we're recapping our recent trip to Disneyland Paris. Woo! It was fun. I'm ready to go back. Another international park off the bucket list. Yeah. We only have two to go. We have the two in China. That's it. Then we've hit them all. Yes. We'll, We'll get there eventually. Yes. All right, let's let's cover the Disney news of the week first, though. So uh, Disney announced with Epcot's 40th anniversary starting on October 1st. On October 2nd, they're bringing back more tours, more behind-the-scenes tours, which is great because the behind-the-scenes tours down at Walt Disney World are incredible, especially the ones at Epcot. So the behind-the-seeds tour at the <laughs> Living uh, with the Land Ride is coming back, which is a great tour. It's like 20 bucks. It's yeah. an hour. Uh, it's definitely a great one to do. It's really easy to get into. You get like to hi- see high availability too. behind the scenes of living with the land. So yeah. if you're ever fascinated by just how they're growing and those plants, um, it is a really cool like kind of reveal of how they do this. Yep. And then they're also bringing back the Dive Quest tour, which if you are scuba certified, and this may this may get me to become scuba certified, mm. you get to swim in the seas tank there right. and swim with the fish yeah it's like a two hour i think uh thing and then it's two, it's you're only in there for like 40 minutes but people outside can see you which is kind of yeah. cool so you can get your friends to come and this this may get me you. to be scuba certified I i've mean, never I, wanted to scuba before but now i do when i was reading over this before the show i i immediately started to inquire about learning to be scuba certified there you go and then if you're not scuba certified you can also do the dolphins in-depth tour um we get to learn more about the dolphins there so a couple yeah. awesome tours and you don't even back. have to know how to swim to do that you just are in like waist deep water yeah, you're basically on land yeah you're not yeah you're not like submerged in water there so disney also announced that skipper canteen is getting a few new menu items so they're getting a hanger steak an Enchanted Orange Dream, Baba Lamb Chops, and Skipper Dan's Dan Dan Noodles. Now, we went to the Skipper Canteen on our one of our trips last year. I don't think either of us were overly impressed by the food. Yeah, I didn't like my food. I will say these new menu items look pretty good. In, in particular, the hanger steak uh, looks pretty good that it may get me to come back. So I think it's good that they're making some changes. I would like to maybe go back and try some of these new items. Right. I mean, I loved the experience. I thought it was a really cool place. I loved my, the wait staff. I thought that that was fun. Um, I would like to try the Enchanted Orange Dream, which is orange Dole Whip, basically, with vanilla soft serve and an orange candy rim. So that you know was really the only thing that appealed to me. I th- still think that they need to work a little bit on the menu. But, I mean, there's some... Interesting choices here. I think it's now. a good sign they're changing it up mm-hmm. and getting some new items. So, and, and sticking with food, uh, Princess Week is going to be. That's uh, this. What's going on right now? Yeah, it's it's this week. So if you're down there, uh, but they have a, a bunch of new desserts around princesses. A lot of them are basically like cupcakes with princesses' faces on them. So not <laughs> a lot of like really unique stuff. But they do have a couple of pretty cool items. They have an enchanted rose. Uh, which is a full rose. They have one for the Little Mermaid that actually makes it look like it's a beach with a mermaid tail and water. So, so some cool items there for Princess Week this week. Yeah, Disney Parks blog has a like a post about it, so you can look at them. I feel like they're probably more fun to eat with their eyes and you, probably than with your mouth. But if you do happen to be down there this week, go ahead and get some of these. But if you're going down in like two weeks, they won't be there. Yeah, that is the thing with all of these desserts, and and I think we found this when they do these specialty desserts. They're very much geared towards Instagram of like, they're going to look yeah. great in a photo and then you eat them and you're like, ah, they're okay, I, but they're not that great. So I'm with you. I think a lot of these look like they are built for Instagram and to take pictures and to share and to get people excited. But how good are they? 
probably mm. not that much better than the normal desserts they have. Right. I find that a lot too with the like, especially like those, um, especially milkshakes, you know, you get those milkshakes that have the piece of cake on top and stuff. And usually it, they're okay. Like they're not the best, you know, milkshakes that I've ever eaten in my life ever. So yeah, kind of have to be beware of the real pretty food most of the time because it's it's usually lacking in substance. Well, I will say, I mean, it's an interesting model because if you think about it from Disney's perspective, good food isn't going to sell anything. Like right. somebody going and being like, they don't that have tastogram. Yeah, they're like somebody going and be like, oh, that was delicious, isn't going to drive people to go. But yeah. if people see all this stuff on social media, they're going to go. They try it once. They already got your money. Who cares right. if you buy it again? And you go, eh, it was good, but not great. But you already shared the picture on Instagram to people and, and more people are going to drive to get it. So it is interesting that like the way Disney gets people in is just from social media and publicity and the stuff doesn't even have to be that great because at that point they already got you and who cares. Right. Well, they, it makes me think of the, um, I think you said it was at the Mexico p- pavilion, the dessert that you showed me before we started this. Yeah, it's a giant pyramid. It's a 50th anniversary uh, chocolate mousse on a tres leche cake. And it's a giant pyramid. It's like $34, but it looks great. Yeah, I actually would like to try that one. I mean, it looks great. Um, Maybe it's terrible. So if you've tried it, please let us know. You might have broken your bank a little bit to try it. But if you have a family or you're with a lot of people, it's not a bad deal. No, no, definitely. But yeah, that one you could share. So it makes the cost a little bit more affordable. But yeah, who knows whether it's actually any good or not. Moving on to Run Disney. Uh, Run Disney announced a springtime surprise race. So this was a a new race that they started this year. We actually went down uh, and and ran a couple of the races this year. And so every year, the idea is that it's going to be a new theme, new style of races. So they announced that next year is going to be Pixar themed. It seems to be the same race distances. So this year they had a a 5K, a 10K, and a 10 miler. And they have those same distances again next year. But now everything is Pixar themed. And now I want to go again. And so I think this was the plan the whole time is to change it up, get people excited every single year. And I think it's working because I want to go. I don't think I'm going to be able to go because we're doing the January races. I don't know if we'll be able to go back down in April. But... I love the Pixar theme and I would love to go. Yeah. I mean, I will say that this past year, they definitely had joy and sadness as part of the race. And I believe if I remember correctly, I, I feel they had like, Woody too. yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like they had Woody. So they almost kind of, whenever I saw this, I was like, I feel like they did this a little bit last year with the race. So yeah. So last know. year they did it as they brought back old races. So mm-hmm. they, they had the Everest 5k, which is also like a scavenger yeah, that's the hunt one we and didn't 5k. Do. They did the Tower of Terror 10 miler, which was an old race, and they brought back an old. It was kind of like it food, food and wine, wine yeah, type. but but not not really food and wine. It was kind of based around Ratatouille. So last year they brought back a bunch of old races, and I think yeah, they just threw you know oh, different yeah, characters out. Yeah. Um, and, but this year it's going to be all you know, strictly themed around Pixar, which I, I think is pretty cool. So with D23 coming up in a couple of weeks, Disney announced the list of people that are going to be inducted as Disney legends. So I think what I found most interesting is you have the entire cast of Frozen basically getting inducted. So you have Idina Menzel, Kristen Bell, Josh Gad, and Jonathan Groff, which makes me kind of suspicious. And I'm going to look into my crystal ball and i uh, think joe stradamus is back yes i think from after a long hiatus i think that disney's up to something here i think they're gonna announce frozen three as part of d23 because why else would you have four 
of the main cast members from the Frozen franchise all getting inducted at the same time because, you know, Disney Legends, it's an opportunity to either, you know, celebrate somebody or do some sort of promotion. Like, they're, they're, Chadwick Boseman is going to be a Disney legend this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, it's kind of, you know, celebrating his life and career. So, you know, why have these four people out there? It's not like they're doing anything for Disney right now unless they are and they're secretly, you know, <laughs> Frozen 3 is coming out next year maybe, you know, and, and they've already been working on it. So I would not be surprised if there's some big announcement around Frozen at D23, especially when you have all four of them there getting inducted as Disney legends. I really like this theory that you have. Um, I, I think that this is on brand for Disney. I feel like they lately have really proven that they love a tried and true franchise. I actually think they did a better job on Frozen 2 than they did on Frozen 1. So if they're going to make a Frozen 3, hopefully they make it as good as Frozen 2. That's all I have to say. But that's, yeah, I think that you, you're you on to something here. There's some sort of announcement there has that's going to be. along why, with this. Why else would you have? I could see if you maybe have one or two of them. Okay, maybe we're going to have Kristen Bell or maybe we're going to have Josh Gad. But to have all four of them there, it just seems like a perfect opportunity for a huge announcement. Perfect storm. Yeah. All right, a nice we- storm. There you go. <laughs> and before we get into our trip recap, we did have a listener question this week. And if, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on a future show, you can ask it by heading to our website, enchantedears.com slash podcast question. And you can ask your question there. But this week's question comes from MET, who writes, is it necessary to do all the parks at Disney World? And if not, which parks should you choose? So I think this is an excellent question. So first of all, thank you, MET. And I think that this is, you know, the important part with this is it kind of depends on what you want out of your experience. So if you're going and you want to experience everything that is, you know, quintessentially Disney, I would say no matter what trip you're going on, you're going to laugh at this because I always cut up on this park, but you have to go to the Magic Kingdom. Um, It has all of the major rides there. And so you want to make sure that you get to that park. I also think that I would highly recommend going to Hollywood Studios because you have Galaxy's Edge there. You have Mickey and Minnie's. That might not take you a full day. You might be able to split that with Epcot. I don't know if you need to go to Animal Kingdom. I love Animal Kingdom. It's my favorite park. If you're going during a particularly hot time, always recommend Animal Kingdom. But I'm not exactly sure that you absolutely have to go go there unless you're a huge roller coaster fan and you want to ride Everest. Yeah, so I guess, you know, to to answer the first part of the question, do you need to go to all of, all of the parks? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I don't think you do, and I think to your point it, it depends on what you're looking for. And if we're thinking of all the parks at Disney World, they do have two water parks as well, technically, yeah, and I don't think you really need to visit those. But I I do agree with you. I think Magic Kingdom's the one you have to go to. Mm-hmm. And I would say the other three are kind of up in the air depending on what you're looking for. If you're not somebody that's really big into food or drinks, then, you probably yeah. could skip Epcot, um, even though, again, there's a lot of great stuff there. Like I love living with the land, Spaceship mm-hmm. Earth. I mean, there's a lot of great attractions there. But I do think you know a big part of it is around kind of the food and the country. So if that's not something that interests you, you could probably skip that. Like if you're a huge international traveler and you've actually yeah. gone to Italy and you've, you know, gone to Japan and the United Kingdom, you probably are you probably don't need to see Epcot's version of it. Um, I think Hollywood studios, you could skip if you're not a big star Wars fan or a big Pixar fan. There's not really much in that park to do other than that. So I think that's definitely skippable. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I love animal kingdom, but I do think, you know, if you're not into 
animals or, or things like that, you probably could skip Animal Kingdom. I would recommend, though, still going to Animal Kingdom because I think Pandora oh, is yes. so incredible that I think it's worth going Same. there. And I think probably you know it's worth going to Galaxy's Edge unless you really hate Star Wars. Then it's kind of no point. So I really think it is, like you said, up to what are your interests. I would definitely recommend especially if you've never been to Disney World, go to all four, at least spend some time in each park because they all do have something to offer. You may find something there that you didn't know you enjoyed. Like there, there's little things there for everybody. They think you'll find something you enjoy. But if you're you know, on a budget, you're on a tight timeline, you definitely don't have to visit all four of them. Right. I mean, that is one of the advantages too of park hoppers. You could spend an entire day in Magic Kingdom, but some of the other parks, if you're, yeah, depending on where your interest lies, you might just need to be there for a few hours. So, you know, the park hopper, that's kind of where the park hoppers get their value in that you can visit. You don't have to spend a whole day there. No, definitely. All right. Thanks, Emmy, for your question. All right. So let's move on to our main topic. So recapping our recent trip to Disneyland Paris. So if you did not hear last week's episode, we recapped our adventures by Disney trip through Portugal. So we spent a week in Portugal after we were done with there, hopped on a plane, flew to Paris, <laughs> went to Disneyland Paris. We were so close. We figured it would be stupid not to go yep. and check this out to check out another Disney park. So Kind of uh, before we get into like what we did and you know what we thought of the parks over there, just some kind of overview of the Disneyland Paris Resort, planning for the trip, if you're interested in going, just some kind of general background information. So Disneyland Paris does have two parks. They have a Disneyland Paris park, so they have a their copy of Disneyland or the Magic Kingdom. And then they also have the Walt Disney Studios Park, which is essentially like their Hollywood studios. They're, they're sister parks, if you will. They're, they're very similar in their, their setup and how they both, whenever they started, were about making movies and being mm -hmm. a studio. They both had a backlot tour, things like that. They have both changed since then, um, but they're very similar. So you have the two parks. You have a you know downtown Disney. It's called the Disney Village there. So that's like their version of downtown Disney or Disney Springs. Uh, it's set up much more like Disneyland in California, where both parks are within walking distance of each other. The Disney Village is right in the middle. So everything's very close. It's not extremely spread out like Walt Disney World. So if you're used to Walt Disney World, uh, it's a much different experience. Being able to park hop is a lot easier. It's like yeah. a 15-minute walk. Again, it's much much more like Disneyland. So if you're used to Disneyland in California, it's much more that vibe. So that's kind of a, a general overview of the parks. If you're looking to plan a trip, if you're coming from the U.S., um, you know you can book. If you're coming from the U.S., you can book online. can also definitely recommend using a travel agent. can reach out to Becky Ginther, yep. official travel agent of the Enchanted Ears podcast. We'll put her information in the show notes. She helped us book our trip. Uh, it's really easy. It's nice you can book a hotel and ticket package. So basically, every night you're at the hotel, you automatically get tickets. So that was a little bit different where you know if you're staying five nights at the hotel, they're going to give you five days worth of tickets no matter what. You can't mm -hmm. say, I only need three days of tickets. You just automatically get them. Some things I found interesting, and I was it it kind of worried me because I'm a planner and I like to like plan ahead <laughs> and know everything. You book all of this stuff, but you don't actually get like the tickets or confirmation until seven days before your trip. So you have confirmation that you're booked, but it's not until seven days before your trip that you can start 
like buying lightning lanes or if you want to get the premier access ultimate pass which is basically a their version of lightning lane that you get for 12 attractions that you can use uh, at any point throughout the day and we'll talk about that because we did buy that for one day but you can buy that if you have a travel agent you can book that early as part of your vacation package Um, but if not you can't purchase that until a week before your trip and so if you want to plan ahead it kind of limits some of your planning there. Uh, and then you don't actually get your ticket. They have a thing called Magic Pass. So whenever you check in, they give you your Magic Pass, which is a card. Uh, it works like the Magic Band at Disney World, but it's a card. So it's your it's your room key. It's for your tickets. I think you can charge to your room on it as well. So Yeah, there were a lot of people walking around. They actually sold them like basically like lanyards, Disney lanyards in the parks, so that they could keep their um, like their pass around their necks so that it, for easy access. Right, because yeah, it, it works again like a magic band, but yeah, it's a card, so yeah, you can have a lanyard or something like that. So, so it's a little bit different, you know. Whenever you're you're planning there, it's a lot more. When you get there, you kind of get everything, or you know, a week beforehand, some some things open up. The one thing you can do early is restaurants. You can book those two months in advance, and definitely recommend that for sit down restaurants because they do book up quickly. Mm-hmm. We did not book at two months in advance. We were still able to get a couple reservations yeah. closer to you know a, a few weeks before. But it's definitely easier if you want a specific restaurant. Try to book. Uh, two months in advance. And also, if you stay on property, you do get in one hour early every day to the parks, which is nice. And we'll talk about this because being there early definitely helps in terms of wait times. Yeah, we ended up staying at the Art of Marvel Hotel, which I really enjoyed because that hotel is very close to the parks. So it was probably like a mm, 10, 15 minute walk from our hotel. We had to go through Disney Village in order to get there, which was nice because you know, we could pick up breakfast on the way or, you know, if we wanted to go back to the hotel midday, like we ended up eating, I think, several of our meals in Disney Village. We ended up going to like the McDonald's there or I think we ate at Earl of Sandwich one day. So it was really nice to be able to stay there on property. It's a beautiful hotel. I know we'll get to talking about it more in a little bit. But yeah, I think that general, generally, like you said, the, the overall feel is a lot more like Disneyland than it is like Disney World. You know, still it was really enjoyable and I definitely once they open up and expand a little bit more I want to go back yeah well I mean let's let's talk about the hotel so so as you mentioned we stayed at the Art of Marvel Hotel which is the old Hotel New York that they completely rethemed to Marvel it actually just reopened last year as part as the new Art of Marvel Hotel they're slowly going through and remodeling all of the hotels so when we were there the Disneyland Hotel which actually sits over the entrance of Disneyland is closed because that's currently undergoing a renovation and a retheme to be themed around the different Disney princesses. So that's going to be the theme of that hotel. Yeah, we're going to stay there the next time. Yeah, I mean, if they do anything like they did with Marvel to that -hmm. hotel, Disney princesses, it's going to be incredible because the the art of Marvel Hotel was absolutely phenomenal. It's a four-star hotel. I think it's four-star, four or five-star hotel. There's uh, a few restaurants in there. They have uh, a gym. They have an indoor-outdoor pool. They have you know space if you have kids. There's a uh, an area where they can learn how to draw superheroes. Adults can do it too. We went and did it. You know, so I mean, it's not it's not just for kids. Um, they have something called Superhero Station where you can meet an Avenger. So it's a photo op. But then there's also kind of 3D 
They're uh, designed for Instagram, basically, to take yeah, pictures. Photos. They're sets, basically. Yeah, 3D sets. That's what I was thinking of. So you could pretend like you're trapped in the collector's uh, lair. They have Milnier to try to pull out. They have a really cool one with you're... Spider-Man that the room slipped upside mm-hmm. down. So it yeah, makes that was the like best one. Yeah, you're crawling up the wall. So it, it's a, a really cool hotel. Although if you have long hair, it kind of busts the illusion because your hair doesn't go the correct way. Yeah, that's... So maybe throw it up in a ponytail, but even then, or a bun. Bun would be perfect because your hair is not coming up there. But it's all based around the art. So there's like 350, I think, plus pieces of original artwork in this hotel. And it's by you know local artists, by you know comic book artists. They have a whole wing kind of dedicated to Jack Kirby, who did a lot of the Marvel artwork. But it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's worth it just to walk around and see all of that artwork. Because some of it is phenomenal. Yeah, I really... Uh, there's... I, I don't know. We'll have to put post this somewhere on our you know on our facebook or something but there was a big one of the hulk and black panther and they were kind of pop arty and they had a lot of different colors incorporated in them those were my two favorite pieces of of artwork in the hotel because they were just so bright um and it was kind of like a profile picture but it was just you know really well done and a kind of a cool spin on these kind of serious superheroes but yeah there were there were um iron man suits in the hotel as soon as you walked in there was really cool signage in our hotel there were a couple pieces of artwork i think we were on the captain marvel floor so there were a couple different um carol danvers in our hotel so it was it was really nice i enjoyed staying there outside kind of looks like a new york style building and there are a couple large statues i think there was a captain marvel one there was a black panther one and a and a uh iron Tony, man. yeah yeah, Tony Stark. Iron man. yeah right so they're pretty they were pretty cool i um i enjoyed staying there i thought it was really nice i thought the gym was pretty nice kind of small but really nice just overall i i enjoyed being there yeah, it's definitely a deluxe hotel. So I mean, you can tell it is a you know four star hotel in that they still didn't give you complimentary slippers because now that is since since when we stayed in Portugal, those hotels a that, lot of that's two, your bar. That's two your out bar. of three gave complimentary slippies, and now that is that is the bar. So if you don't give me complimentary slippies, then you no. you're not a five star hotel. Right. Okay. Well, they're only four stars, so that's your bar. If whether you get slippers or not, okay. Slippies, or slippies, okay. But but you know, walking into it, to your point, there's there's some Iron Man suits, there's some Captain America shields. I mean, this is a very nice hotel. I think all of the hotels there on property are very upscale, high end hotels. I was not expecting, I think, the hotel to be that nice because. No knock yeah. against Disney World, but a lot of the hotels there, especially, I mean, we love Art of Animation, we love Pop Century, some of the value, or you know, even the modern hotels, but they're not grand like that. I mean, they're, there's 20 million people coming into Disney World every year. They are built to have a lot of rooms and a lot of people coming through there. You know, there's massive food courts and things like that. Like, this does not have a food court for breakfast. They have restaurants if you want to go eat breakfast. We actually did room service a lot and had... That was cool. Yeah, and had... Um, Never have done room service before and now I only do room yeah, service. Yeah, had, had, <laughs> had breakfast You know, had breakfast brought into the room so that way we could kind of eat as we were getting ready. But the hotel is very nice. It's kind of what I imagine Disney's Grand Californian to be in Disneyland. We've never stayed there, but from what I've seen of it, you know, it's just, a, it's just more upscale and very high end so i didn't think it was that different than the polynesian i don't know no, like, that's what i'm saying it's more on like the level of like a deluxe right hotel yeah so it's i i think even 
I thought it was even nicer than the Polynesian. I think because just because it's newer. I mean, the Polynesian's great. It's a little bit more spread out, and it's built of a different style. So this is built. I mean, when you walk into the lobby, it's very grand. It's it's a tower. The Poly doesn't have a grand entrance. What I'm trying to say is the Polynesian, like the buildings are built more in the Polynesian style. So they're only a couple stories. They're more, you know, they're the long houses. It's not high. This was kind of like a grand tower. It just looked, you know, from the outside, like you said, it looked more of like a New York skyscraper. There was just something about it. And again, it was newer, so it looked a lot nicer. I'm not saying... There's a monorail going through I'm not saying that the Poly's not nice or the Grand Floridian. I'm saying it's on that level. I just wasn't, I think, expecting that because... I feel like all the hotels kind of in Disneyland Paris are a little bit nicer. They're all kind of on that deluxe level because, and you're yeah. paying that deluxe price. They don't have necessarily like value. I think they and, do, but they're not as close to the park um, as some of these other ones and are. You didn't just like when we, when we stayed in Japan, we didn't stay on premises. Um, my brother just went, he went to France uh, like a month before we did. He didn't stay like you can take the train in. So you can take the train to Chessie Station and get off there. It takes you to Disney Village, and then you can get off um, any day that you're staying. You don't have to stay on premises, but that was our experience, and we liked it. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. I mean, the train is right there, so if you're trying to get in and out from Paris, the train station drops you off right there. I think it was like, what, 40 really nice. minutes? Yeah, it's not it's not too bad of a, of a ride there. But yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was a great hotel. Definitely recommend staying there. Again, it's more of that deluxe level, so it's going to cost you more than you know, like a value or a moderate if you're used to staying at those at Disney World. But it was a nice little splurge to stay there. Yeah, definitely enjoyed it. I think to your point, it was nice being able to walk to the parks, be able to walk back, you know, in the middle of the day if it got crowded. Um, so overall, I definitely thought it was a, a really nice hotel, and I definitely would stay there again. Yeah, I mean, I think that especially you know for us. We had already had a week vacation before we got there. And the days, the first couple of days we were there, it was 90 plus. I know that first day I was struggling hard. And I think we ended up walking back a couple of times just to rest um, just because I was done. Like I was, I was pooped. And I think, I mean, you were too, I think, but not, not as bad as I was. And I just want to say real quick about the room. So we stayed at, at just the, uh, one of the, like their studio rooms. It was a decent room. I mean, it wasn't super nice of a room i mean nothing really crazy about it there was some marvel artwork in there a solid room but it's not like the rooms are the star of the show it's all of the artwork it's the restaurants it's the theming in the rest of the hotel um so the yeah, rooms were decent but i mean it was, was like, a room but the no slippies so no slippies no slippies but the tv was like in the mirror yeah on that the was wall, cool which yeah, was, was cool. really cool um i thought the bathroom situation i think it was very was pretty, modern pretty it was nice very modern. and modern yeah. yeah so yeah overall overall i thought it was nicer like it was definitely one of the nicer ones it just didn't we stayed in some really nice hotels with the adventures by disney like the tivoli's were just chef's kiss top notch all right, let's let's cover food really quickly too in the parks because I, I think this was probably one thing you know that kind of came up is that I don't think the food in Disneyland Paris Resort overall is that great. So we did do uh, one sit down meal at the Manhattan Restaurant at the Art of Marvel Hotel. Uh, it's a cool restaurant. They have a, a giant chandelier in the middle that's supposed to be as guardian. That's kind of the backstory to it. I thought the food was good, but overall. I mean, they're, they're quick service. I think even some of the restaurants, like 
they don't have very expansive menus. I felt like every quick service restaurant had the exact same food everywhere you went. I literally don't remember what we ate. Like not even at all. Yeah, Nothing. I, I feel like, you know, at, at Walt Disney World, you can go to different places and get very different style food. So like Pecos Bills has Mexican food. You can go to uh, Cosmic Rays. I know that's not a great example of quick service but you know they have hamburgers hot dogs you can go to uh, you know casey's and get hot dogs so they do have a casey's at disneyland paris as well so you can get that but most of the quick service is all very similar it's all salads hamburgers chicken like basically anywhere you go you're gonna get the exact same options with saying that i mean the food is decent everywhere you go and i think it's pretty reasonably priced because the way they do it is they have like menus. So you order a menu and it's a hamburger, french fries, and a drink and maybe a dessert and it's $17. So you get a you get like a full meal or you could get a salad and a hamburger and a drink, you know, for $16, something like that. So they have these menu options. So I think it's pretty reasonably priced because, you know, you can go to Disney World and it's $15 for a hamburger and fries and if you're getting a drink, it's 20, you know, $22. So it's, I feel like it's reasonably priced, but the, the food is basically the same everywhere you go. Yeah, we did end up eating, and I can't remember, maybe you remember what the name of this place was, but we stayed, the one place we ate at, I thought the food was decent. I don't even remember what, remember what I got, but we ended up like in this almost amphitheater, and then there were cartoons, like the Mickey Mouse cartoons were playing, and some of them were, yeah, most so, of them were actually in English. Yeah, so that's at the Hyperion Theater. And they actually have a theater there. I think they do the the Jedi Temple show there now. Um, but that wasn't going on when we were there. They were just showing the Mickey shorts yeah. when we were there. But yeah, that was a nice place to go in and eat. And that's right outside. That's in like their Tomorrowland area right by Space Mountain. Yeah, that was probably my favorite eating experience there. Yeah, I mean, overall, the food was just really unmemorable. Yeah, again, I, I think if, if you can do the sit-down restaurants, that's where you're going to get your more specific kind of cuisine, you're going to get your different options. And I think a lot of the sit down work too, like a menu where, you know, you can do a la carte, but they're also built, you know, for 40 or $50, you get, you know, a starter, an entree and a, and a dessert. Um, and, the, and the quick service kind of works like that. But yeah, overall, I mean, I think all the quick service we looked at very similar. I think pizza was yeah like the only thing that was like really different you know, yeah. than the other ones because the other ones were, were basically kind of the exact same menu across the board. Yeah, I think there were chicken fingers at one point. In yeah. time. I don't know. I don't remember what I... like. Yeah, I mean, I will say it does make it easy whenever you have to decide where to eat because you can basically just go to the nearest quick service one. You're going to get basically the same food everywhere you go. Yeah. So it's not like you're really looking around too much. But yeah, I mean, I think to your point overall, I don't think the food is the highlight of the park. Right. So All right, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but you know, Disneyland Paris has their own version of Lightning Lanes. It's called Premier Access. They actually had it first before Lightning Lane came to the United States. But they have something which I actually ended up kind of liking. And I mean, I think if they brought it to the U.S., people would talk about, oh, how expensive this is. You know, Disney's trying to get more money out of you, which obviously they are. But it's pre- it's a pretty cool service. It's called the Premier Access Ultimate Pass. And basically, it it varies on price. It starts at 90 euros and goes up from there. But you pay for it, you get a lightning lane or a premier access pass, as they call it, for 12 of the attractions uh, at both parks. And you can use it 
at any point throughout the day. So the nice thing is, you know, with, with a lightning lane or you're making your premier access reservations, you have a set time. So you have to pick it when you're coming back. And, it, you know, it's okay, you have to be here at 11, and you're kind of locked into what you're riding and when. With the Ultimate Pass, you just walk up, get in the Premier Access line at any time, and you can do one attraction per day. So it's really nice where you can kind of wait until the crowds pick up and then start using it. And that's actually what we did. Mm-hmm. So we took advantage of the early hour that you could get into the parks, which definitely would recommend doing that. That's an advantage of staying on property because the lines are very light in the morning. They get very heavy in the middle of the day. And then I feel like after like six o'clock, they kind of drop down again. So it seemed to be, you know, we could ride a lot in the morning, not use those premier access. And then once the line started getting longer and long was probably 45 minutes to an hour, we could use the premier access. And then at the end of the night, we could get back in line again and you didn't wait as long. Yeah. I don't think we really use the premier access pass on the heaviest day. Um, we had a weird experience and I don't know if this is typical. So again, if anybody has ever been to Disneyland Paris, let us know if this is, you know, the typical experience, but so on the weekend, like Sunday, um, and then even kind of going into Monday, the crowds weren't as heavy, specifically Sunday, the cloud, we were able to ride quite a bit. Then as the week wore on, we were there for four days as the week wore on, like even in the middle of the week, which in Disney World, that's usually when the crowds dip because people were leaving. We had the opposite experience where the crowds were actually getting more and more dense. So I don't know if that's a typical situation, um, but you might want to look at kind of crowd levels and before, you know, before you plan, because it was pretty crowded, like surprisingly crowded uh, toward the end of our experience there. Yeah, definitely Tuesday, Wednesday, the crowds picked up. I think, again, the lines, you know, were 45 minutes to an hour for a lot of attractions. Again, still in the morning, though, you could get on a lot of stuff, walk on five to 10 minutes. uh, And again, kind of later in the day, too. Uh, But yeah, on Monday, so we got in Sunday in the afternoon, we went to the parks for a little bit. But then Monday, we had our full day there, we had the premier access passes. So with that, and with using the early park entry, um, again, in the morning, a lot of stuff was walk on. I think we were able to do five or six attractions in like an hour. It, it was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. We were able to do like 20 different rides and shows because they, they have a couple of shows that we'll talk about as well uh, on that Monday. So I definitely think it was worth it. Now, because we had so many days there, we were able to ride everything we wanted to ride. So I don't know that we necessarily needed those premier access passes because if we didn't ride it Monday, we would have had time to ride it Tuesday or Wednesday. But I feel like if you're only going to be there a day or yes. two, it's definitely worth it because again, we got through 20 things and we basically did everything we wanted to do on Monday alone. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, if you're only going, I mean, you really don't need four days in the park. I think that you and we can... were in probably like two and a half because we did we did maybe like the end of the day Sunday we did Monday Tuesday and then we left Wednesday so we didn't do like a full day Wednesday right but I I think that we got plenty in if you're a person that is used to going to the American parks it is very similar you don't really need any more than that two days is probably would suffice and I I would highlight I I did really enjoy that premier ultimate pass I thought it was a good investment we got to get on a lot of things yeah monday we we got through a lot which then made it nice when tuesday it was more crowded and wednesday yeah, and it was crowded really hot yeah it was like okay 
we'll just do the highlights. We don't need to be standing in line this whole time. We can kind of take it easy. It it does help. Yeah, overall, I mean, I, I don't think there's probably enough to do, especially because of the studios park does not really have much to do at all, that yeah, you don't need more than probably three days there. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not like Walt Disney World where you could easily spend a week and not do everything. You can probably pretty easily get through everything in a couple of days here. Again, it's it's more like Disneyland. Yeah, I, there was only one thing that we wanted to do that we didn't get a chance to do, and that was the drawing experience. They have a really nice drawing experience. You actually have like actual animator desks that are backlit. Um, and I believe that depending on the animator, I think that one time we saw them and they were giving instructions in French. I think the next time we saw them, the person was giving instructions in English. So I don't know if they have two different classes um, because they have two different stitch experiences as well, a French one and an English one. But it was just really interesting. I, I kind of wanted to do that, but I also kind of figured if we don't have time to do it, I've done it plenty enough times. Right. Yeah. And, and not to get sidetracked here, but you brought up a good point with it was, it was in English. You know, if you don't speak French, Disneyland Paris is a good park to go to because they, like you mentioned, they have a stitch show. They do a specific one in English, a specific one in French. Um, A lot of people there speak English as well. A lot of the cast members, uh, all the signs are in English. And a lot of the shows mix English and French. So, you know, you can even go to the shows and understand what's going on. So it's definitely very accessible if you're an English speaker and you don't speak French. Yeah, it was really interesting. They give you touch points. So Mickey and the Magician. So with Mickey and the Magician, Mickey spoke French and French only. The Magician spoke English and English only. So when they would converse with each other, like they understood each other, but you would only get half of the conversation if you were only a French speaker or only an English speaker, but it was enough of the conversation to actually understand the context of what was going on which was really interesting we saw like a little outside of like guardians of the galaxy show as well most of that was in french but you could figure out because there was a lot of like movement it was a lot it was kind of like a dance party and every now and then they would throw out an english phrase as well um as far as getting on the rides is concerned they'd say everything in french then they'd say everything in english like all of the people that worked there would would translate it for you. Um, even they'd say, you know, I don't know what it is in French, but they say blah, blah, blah. And then they say push and pull. Like, so they, everyone pretty much in the park spoke both languages. And a lot of times they'll ask you Francais or Anglais. So you could easily respond oh Anglais and then they would speak English to you. Yeah. So let's talk about the Mickey and the Magician show. So that's over at the studios park and that show, it's a stage show, um, was phenomenal. So it is. Mm-hmm. It's it's Mickey Mouse. He's an apprentice for a magician. I think it was a missed opportunity to use Fantasia Mickey. They don't pull Fantasia Mickey out there. <laughs> but it's basically Mickey helping this magician. He's trying to clean up his shop. And he's not doing a great job of it. And different things ensue. These magical objects come to life. And then different Disney characters come in. So they have these little vignettes and songs from different Disney characters. So the genie shows up. uh, Elsa shows up different you know magical characters i think the fairy godmother shows up as well because there's there's cinderella so you know there's some magic tricks involved in it overall it was an incredible stage show and it's it's a nice mix of you know mickey traditional disney with uh, a lot of the characters from the newer movies they, they throw in music i think yeah the lion king's in it rafiki's in mm-hmm. it as part of it as well and yeah, overall, I thought it was a, a great stage show. I love, and we kind of said this last week, 
their stage shows, this is something they need to bring to Disney World. They are so well produced, so enjoyable. Again, I did we didn't even understand everything that was being said, but it was just so high value. You know, a lot of really cool things were we were watching particularly this show. It's like, oh, well, I can see like how they're doing this little magic thing. And then at the very end, they pull something out and you're like, how, wait, how did that work all along? Like, it, it, it's just mind blowing. I don't want to, you know, kind of give it away, but yeah, it's, it's really, they're just so well done and enjoyable. And like, of course the music, um, is a really great thread. They do a really good job of acknowledging how wonderful of a back catalog they have and, and doing these cool productions. It, it feels a bit like a mini Broadway show. Yeah, and that so that's the main show over at the Studios Park. And then over at Disneyland, they have the Rhythm of the Pride Lands Lion King show. And that show is fully in English. Yep. They, they do all of the songs. They basically do a quick version of the Lion King. And it's very much like the Broadway version of the Lion yes. King. Not like the Festival of the Lion King where they have animatronics and things. If you've ever been to, at Animal Kingdom, this is more of Broadway where... It's all human people being the characters. But yeah, this was basically fully in English, the dialogue, the songs. But this was absolutely incredible. It Listen, Paris did one... Th- I mean, they. I'm not saying that they, did, they only did one thing well, but they did one thing, in my opinion, very, very well. And that is paying homage to the king because Simba is very well honored in their parks. I mean, this show... You, it's basically just a distilled version of the Broadway version of the play. Um, you don't have the, you know, the big crazy costumes, but you have smaller versions of the cool costumes. You know, you don't have the big like moving stages, but you have smaller versions. You have some acrobatics though added in there. And, you know, the singers are really high quality, really great singers. I mean, it is a really awesome show. You even get the um, song from Broadway. That's Nala's song. I mean, it is just so wonderful. I think I, I think I cried. I think I laughed. I, I mean, all of the emotions, it was just truly incredible. So if you visit Disneyland Paris, do not miss your opportunity. Do not throw away your shot to go see these plays. Yeah. Both, both of these shows are great. I will say they are on the premier access uh, as well. So you can buy premier access to them. I think they are, 15 or 18 dollars uh depending on the day depending on the show that's about what the price was when we were there if you want to have guaranteed seating we did not do that that's not also part of the premier access ultimate pass you don't get the shows so we did not pay for that we just waited in line i think we got in line maybe a half an hour or so 45 minutes before the show started and we had no problem getting seats it's not like you're not going to get in if you don't pay for the access. The one show, if you are interested in doing it, is the the Frozen show. That fills up very quickly. We, it, I think it took us like three tries to get in. Oh, I forgot about that Because every time too. we would go, and, and you know, we'd try to go a, a half an hour early, it would be full already. Uh, and once we finally got in, we realized why. Because there's only probably 100, 100 people. people or so that they let in there because it's a very small show. Um, so if you're interested in that one, you definitely have to be there early. I think we ended up going like an hour early, like right after the one show started, we got in line so that we could you know, make it because it was the last show of the night. Because um, yeah, throughout the day, you know, we came 15, 20 minutes early and it was full already. So if you're interested in that one, that's a really cool show because it's 
again, basically frozen. They have a really awesome Sven animatronic yes, that, that's that kind of worth it. they feed a carrot. Yeah. That, they fed a carrot to an inanimate object. It's not alive, but it seems to be alive. Yeah. So, th- so that's really, really fun. Cool. So if you like Frozen, uh, that was definitely a good show. But that is the one you have to be really, really early on. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the option to do a premiere pass because, again, they don't let many people in. But the yeah. other stage and shows, there's enough seats you're yeah. going to get in. And the concept behind the Frozen show is it's Elsa's birthday, birthday and Anna is trying to surprise her for her birthday. So her and Kristoff are kind of trying to, you know, throw a little shindig and then she recognizes the audience is there and you kind of get involved in the, the celebration. And again, that one is in English and in French as well. So again, like your point, you have those touch points so you know what's going on no matter what language you speak, which, right. which was nice. So yeah, overall, great shows. I agree with you. I think that is one thing that Disney World could add is kind of the shows. Let's uh, talk about the studios part quickly because again, it's a very small park. There is not a ton going on. They are undergoing an expansion, so they are building Arendelle uh, as part of the park. They previously announced they were building Galaxy's Edge. I'm not sure if that's been moving forward or not. There's really not been much discussion on that, whether that's happening. And then Avengers Campus recently opened, so we were able to experience Avengers Campus as well. Um, but outside of Avengers Campus that's there, there's really not a ton going on. They have a Pixar place, so they have Crush's Coaster, which is very popular. They have Ratatouille, which is the exact same ride. You have an Epcot. And then they have kind of like a, a, toy, a mini Toy Story Land um, with some just traditional amusement park rides. Nothing like really too high themed there. Uh, they also have the Tower of Terror over at the Studios Park, and they have a Cars Road Trip. So they they cut down the backlot tour and made it a, a very small tour around Cars, which <laughs> not really much going on there. But but yeah, overall, I mean, I think in a few hours you could. It's probably a half day park. I mean, really, a lot of people say that about Hollywood Studios, but I really feel like the Studios Park there is a half day park because there's not a ton to do there. Yeah. I mean that cars back lot tour, I, I was not feeling particularly great when we did that, but it was really cool and impressive. And it kind of reminded, I mean, it reminded me a lot of the back lot tour that we used to have in Hollywood studios where you have the big truck that catches on fire. Yeah. And they still a ton have of water. They I have mean, a catastrophe Canyon still there. Yeah. yeah. So that is, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing they had there. Yeah, that's basically the whole ride. You you ride around and they're, it's just cars talking about all these cool places to go. <laughs> that but, they probably used to have, but, but they don't d- anymore. Yeah, they don't have any of that there. And then you just go to Catastrophe Canyon and, and you're done. So it is cool to see that. But yeah, otherwise, it's there's really nothing to the ride. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, I thought it was a it was a cool park. I enjoyed the Stitch show. I thought that was cute. I agree with you, though. Probably half day park but definitely make sure if you're a person who gets sick on rides the i feel like the intensity level of a lot of these rides at disneyland paris is a lot higher than disney world the roller coasters are a lot rougher slash more um, well, they intense have, i mean they have actual roller coasters at avengers campus they have avengers flight force which is or which was uh, rock and roller coaster and it's just rethemed to avengers so that's a pretty high intensity ride and then over at disneyland paris at, at disneyland park they have a lot of roller coasters there they have indiana jones space mountain which is a completely different version of space mountain they have big thunder mountain there as well so yeah this is definitely a much more high thrill park 
compared to yeah something like Disney World where they have a few intense coasters, but there's not as much high thrill rides in proportion to everything else going on. The Avengers coaster was interesting in that, you know, there were some scenes that they added, but you couldn't see them. You were moving too fast. You know, there were some barrel rolls and things. So I, I definitely was a little, a little rough. Crush's coaster was an interesting roller coaster, a little bit more of a different concept. I felt like the rock and roller coaster and their version of space mountain were very close um, as far as like in concept, they seemed very similar, um, similar roughness too. So they weren't, it wasn't like a ma- wild mouse. Their version of, of the Space Mountain wasn't really like a wild mouse coaster. It was more like a real roller coaster. All right, yeah, before we get into Space Mountain, I mean, let's, let's stick with the Studios Park here. So Avengers Campus, again, that that is brand new. That opened a couple weeks before we went. Um, like you mentioned, they rethemed Rock and Roller Coaster. So if you've been to Hollywood Studios and you've been on Rock and Roller Coaster, you know what Avengers Flight Force is. I, I think, yeah, I was kind of probably disappointed in that because again they added some scenes but you go through it so quickly mm-hmm. it's hard to see anything the other attraction they have there is web slingers which is an exact copy of the web slingers attraction from disney california <laughs> adventure so basically they built this land and it's you know just a retheme of a, an existing ride an exact copy of another ride so i think overall i was kind of let down by avengers campus so it was really interesting because the conceit in the beginning, you know, whenever Peter Parker comes out and gives the, the spiel about how he's making these little robots to help and then they start to over reproduce and he needs your help. It's really interesting because he he says like, oh, I built this thing. So it translates me so that I you can understand me. So they overdub Tom Tallinn in French and then you have to read a script. You read the screen to have it translated to English. So it's really funny because the original ride is in English, so they translate it out of English, and then you have to read the English translation. Um, so that was kind of like funny to me. Um, yeah, and so I mean, what he's saying doesn't sync up with his mouth movements. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's it, it was kind of odd. Of yeah, either you know have that in English and and have and the translate French, it into French, yeah, or just or... have him speak the French or something like that. Like yeah, because I, yeah, I feel like odd. most people speak French or speak English there, so I don't know. I, it was just it was just an interesting choice, but the ride was exactly the same. The thing that I was disappointed in is you build almost a carbon copy, but you don't have the coolest thing, which is the Spider-Man show where, you know, he you have the animatronic slinging himself across onto the building. That is a huge, huge attraction. And it's really, really cool. It's a cool crowd draw. And they didn't do it. And I didn't see as many people on the buildings walking around either. Like they have the shows over in California. Of the two versions of this, the California version is definitely a lot better. Yeah, you, you don't have the Spider-Man animatronic. You also don't have Doctor Strange's Sanctum. So they still have the uh, Dora Milaje show. Mm-hmm. They they do have... Still uh, is cool. They have Black Widow fighting Taskmaster. Um, but that's not on top of the Quinjet building. It's actually on top of the Spider-Man building. But we didn't see that. Yeah, I think... For me, like you mentioned, I did not see as many characters walking around. I feel like uh, at California, there's always characters out walking around. It felt smaller. Again, there was really nothing new there. There was no really new rides there to kind of get you excited. They have a Pim's Test Kitchen, uh, which is a copy of Pim's Test Kitchen. So overall, I really don't think it was that great like i i feel like they're kind of doing marvel and avengers a disservice and i kind of think disney realizes it's not catching on like they thought it was because what i found interesting 
is after we visited the studios park, I got a survey that was specifically about the studios park. And it was a lot of questions about, you know, do you think this park is a full day park? Do you think there's enough to do in this park? And, and I, you know, obviously answered no, because like we said, I think it's a half day park. And then there was a lot of questions about the Avengers campus. You know, did you like the Avengers campus? Did you think it was unique enough? Did you think, you know, would you tell people this is a, a good place to go? And, you know, my kind of response was, and my comment was, it's not that great because you have a, an exact copy of a ride in California. And I get, you know, people in Europe may not have ridden that in California. So, you know, that's new. But then the other ride is just a, a retheme of a ride. And it's a pretty poorly done retheme because you can't tell what the storyline is. The story mm-hmm. makes no sense. It's Captain Marvel and Iron Man in space. And you're kind of, like you said, flying through so fast, you kind of hear them say, oh, good job. We got to get this. We got to get that. But it's, you really don't know what's going on. And it's like, if, if they're going to do that, what's really new to get you excited to go? And then on top of that, there's not as many characters. I did not feel like there was as many characters there. So I, I think they have some work to do to kind of retool that a little bit. And hopefully once they build, you know, Arendelle and open the park up a little bit more, it, it will be better. But I definitely think they have the issue with the studios park that they had with Hollywood Studios before Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land open. And even Disney California Adventure before they had the huge redo where, you know, Disney California Adventure opened and people went, there's not a lot to do here. There's no real... Yeah. There's no real connective tissue. There's no real, you know, theme. And they spent, you know, billions of dollars rebuilding it. And now, you know, it is a solid park. You can spend a whole day there. I think they kind of need to put that investment into the studios park to kind of, you know, beef it up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it was a cool park, but as you said, lacking. All right. So moving over to Disneyland again, this is pretty much uh, a copy of Disneyland in California. Except for one very important detail. They have a whole store dedicated to Simba. They do. There's a store. It's right as you come into Adventureland. And it's called, Le, I'm going to butcher this, Le Giraffe Carus. And it says, Taupur Le Safari. It's all Simba. And I'm talking, there are Simba hats like multiple Simba shirts Simba stuffed animals little t-shirts for little kids they have those big feet stuffed animals that are real popular pins mugs magnets I mean you name it placemats bowls you name it they got it hats I mean it's incredible so if you're a Lion King fan like me you would love this store yes a a lot of Lion King uh, over in Paris. But yeah, I mean, overall, though, if you're familiar with Disneyland or the Magic Kingdom, the rides that you're familiar with, the layout that you're familiar with is going to be pretty much the same as Disneyland Paris. So they have Space Mountain. It's much different. Like we mentioned, it's a high speed roller coaster. There's loops in it. It actually is a launch roller coaster. It's more designed around Jules Verne. It has kind of like a steampunk Mm-hmm. Jules Verne feel to it. And we were there during the Star Wars overlay. Yeah, so it's actually Hyperspace Mountain when we rode it. Um, but yeah, it's much different. Like you said, it's not kind of like that, you know, uh, wild mouse. You know, it's like a real ride. roller coaster. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I thought it was, you know, a lot of fun. Um, but it is much different than the Space Mountain we have here. Um, but there's other touch points that you're familiar with. I think the one thing that's missing that the other parks have is the Jungle Cruise. So there's no Jungle oh, yeah. Cruise 
over at Disneyland Paris. But basically everything else is there. They have It's a Small World. They have Pirates of the Caribbean, Peter Pan. I mean, all of those other rides that you're familiar with, they have. Phantom Manor is a different take on Haunted Mansion. I don't think it's as good as Haunted Mansion. Um, the story isn't as clear as Haunted Mansion, or at least maybe doesn't seem it because, you know, I don't have as much of an emotional attachment to it. Yeah, it's it's much different. So it it's based more around the bride and it's kind of this idea that uh, her fa- yeah like her father died and is kind of cursing her so every husband she marries dies mysteriously i liked that though that she wasn't she wasn't a black widow she wasn't killing them which is what fa- yeah, it uh, was, haunted mansion kind of suggests yeah, it was the phantom so they kind of the story is yeah like watch out for the phantom you know he's kind of coming for you i think for me yeah, it's not as good as the Haunted Mansion versions. And I think because it's smaller, like it's it kind of takes the worst qualities of both U.S. Haunted Mansions. So Walt Disney World is a much longer Haunted Mansion because they have uh, more of like what Disneyland has in their queue as part of the ride. So we're and Disneyland has a little bit shorter Haunted Mansion, but you have a much more detailed walkthrough in the queue. So it kind of took almost the, the worst versions where they took a shorter ride like you have in Disneyland, but they didn't have the intricate queue like what's missing in Walt Disney World. So you kind of put those together and it's a shorter ride and the graveyard scene is completely different because it's more geared towards like the Wild West because it's in Frontierland and not just a traditional graveyard scene. So, I mean, overall it's decent, but yeah, it's definitely not the best version of Haunted Mansion. That was disjointing. Yeah. Now that you say that, it reminds me. You're 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 getting this whole story about how all of her husbands die, and then suddenly at the very end they throw in a bunch of Wild West stuff, and she's not in it. the The husbands aren't in it, and it just seems so random. And that's really what killed the ride for me is that end part because it's like I don't need the setting. You gave me a story which I you know I could get, and then you added this part at the end, and I don't know the purpose of it. It doesn't seem to make sense, and that is why the ride for me does not resonate resonate the same way as Haunted Mansion does. Yes. All right. So we've been saying a lot of negative things (laughs) about what's going on. So let's talk about some of the positives because Disneyland definitely has a lot going for it. Yes. The big thing for me is when we went, it was there. It's their 30th anniversary. And when you walk in the park, you know it is their 30th. You know, this was our big critique of Disney World walking in on their 50th. And we were like, you know, it doesn't they don't seem like they're really celebrating to the extent that they should be. I mean, yeah, they, they redid the castle. They have some banners and some signage, but it just doesn't seem to be like as huge, like as big of a celebration. A lot of the celebration things are like merchandising opportunities where, Oh, we're going to make a special this or that. And then you can buy it, but it doesn't seem to be really straightforward and out there. As soon as you walk in the, into Disneyland, they have a big, beautiful signage and banners. Then you go into the center of the park. And um, Mickey, when we walked in, Mickey was above us in his beautiful iridescent costume. And then they have these 30th statues. And these statues are incredible. Yeah, so it's called the Gardens of Wonder. And it's around the central hub. And they have 30 character statues that spin around. Yeah, I was going to say, they're not just statues. You know, I mean, not they're art that, pieces. They're beautiful. I mean, they're. Yeah, it's abstract not, versions of them. Yeah, yeah, not to cut up on the ones that they have in Disney World. Those are really cool, but these ones spin, and because they spin, and they're, they're kind of like. They look like unraveled ribbons that make up the characters. It's kind of probably one of the better ways to describe them. But they have Tigger, Winnie the Pooh, the Genie. I mean, you name it. Pretty much all of their major characters. Jafar. I mean, 
Wally. It's just they, they have them all around that area and they're so cool and each one is worth going and checking out. And the other thing they have for the 30th, which this is incredible, they did a specific parade. So again, you have these statues, which again, much like Disney World did, but then to your point, you know it's a celebration because they went over and above. They have a specific parade for the 30th and they also have a, a nighttime drone show, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this parade, it's called Dream and Shine Brighter, was absolutely incredible. So they actually have two parades going on. So they have Disney Stars on Parade. We saw that one first. And then we just happened to stumble on this dream and shine brighter one. I don't oh think we realized. Gracious, yes. I don't think we realized this was a separate parade, but this was for the 30th. So it's a, a huge parade down Main Street. And then all the characters uh, go on stages in the hub in front of the castle and they're dancing. And, and so we saw the parade floats and, and we kind of walked down and we were going to go ride because we thought it was over because just like every other parade, hey, once the parade floats go by, you're done. But no, they were in the hub for probably another. 10 minutes or so dancing and and they rotated to the different stages so everybody uh could see them and this, this it was crazy yeah the show just kept on going we're like this is absolutely phenomenal and this was something that they debuted for the 30th but th this was an incredible parade i really wish again we talked about the the stage shows this is again something i'd love for them to bring to the u.s parks put some stages in front of the castle have a parade and a stage show it would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was it was a really cool parade that we just again so happened to catch. We didn't know what it was exactly when it came out, but the floats were beautiful. They have on the floats, you know, they had like a really cool iridescenty uh, like little stages that were up high, and then they had the big number thirty on them again. It's very apparent that this is a part of their celebration. The characters were all wearing their really awesome costumes uh, again better than the, the 50th anniversary costume similar but better i think um and so they were i mean just a really high value parade that was a lot of fun made you want to dance and you know added a lot and again it was like 100 degrees outside it was so hot and those people were dancing for like 20 minutes in those oh man I don't think you could pay me enough. Yeah, I we we were watching it. We're just like, okay, we can we can go. It's done. Oh no, they're doing another song. They're still going. I mean, it, it was it was a great show. The other thing was the nighttime show. So I mentioned uh, the drone show. So before their fireworks, uh, and they have a projection mapping show on the castle. They do a little pre-show, and they have drones there um, because they can use drones in Europe. And this was absolutely phenomenal. Oh the drones come out. They make a thirty. It looks like Mickey ears as well, and then. Then they do other things around the castle, so it makes it look like a shooting star. It makes it look like stars are twinkling. They make Mickey ears, and it rotates. This was absolutely incredible to see in person. Mm -hmm. How those drones move, they, I mean, they stay perfectly still, and then the different things they can do with them and the shapes they can make. I mean, it's, it's only like a five-minute show or something. It's kind of like a pre-show before you know, the main fireworks show at night. But it was it was really something to see, and it was really amazing. And you know, there there was talk that Disney was trying to use drones for Harmonious. I think they even you know built like a landing pad for them. Now I think in the U.S. they can't use drones yet, and so I think that's you know some of the issue. But whenever you know they're allowed to use drones, and that all gets cleared by the FAA. They're going to be able to do some amazing things with drones. Yeah, this it, looked incredible. I mean, this is like if this is the first thing they've put out with this at Disneyland Paris. I can only imagine in a couple of years how 
much more advanced these will be and the, the different you know shapes and designs they can do. Right. I prefer this to fireworks. Anytime I see fireworks, you know, usually I do enjoy them, but there's so much to them that is overwhelming. <laughs> um, you know, environmentally not great. Animals don't like them. So I don't love, but I don't love fireworks a whole lot. Um, but man, were these drones impressive. They don't make any noise. They were able to move. And the best part about them, like you were saying, is they can, they, they would move into these shapes, like these 3D shapes, and then they could like turn and oscillate. It was just really cool to see changing colors. Their logo was on point. Whoever came up with it was great because they made the 30 look like whenever they were together, it looked like Mickey Mouse ears. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just if you think about the shapes, they're basically like three circles. So it just looks like the mouse ears. It was just really well done. And I, I bet you kind of, you know, we've mentioned before that Harmonious doesn't quite hit right. And that's probably part of the reason why is they thought that they were going to be able to have drones with it. I can imagine if it did have drones that it would definitely be a lot stronger of a show. That was really one of the highlights for me. Along with, I love the dragon under the castle. The dragon was really impressive, very large, moves very frequently. So if you go under the castle and you just look at it and it's not being active, wait three, like wait, a minute and a half. I mean, I feel like it, it moved every like minute and a half. Yeah, that's a very like quick hitter. You can mm-hmm. just walk in. It's not like there's a line. It's it's basically you can just kind of walk in and out uh, at your leisure. It's not like it's a, a long walk even. You basically just dip in under the castle. Like you said, if you wait a minute, the dragon's going to kind of wake up and see it. And But that is a really cool experience to have that where you have this yeah dragon living under the castle. Their castle looks great, by the way. It was just completely redone for the 30th. Um, it really pops. It, it looks really beautiful. Uh, but yeah, to, to kind of go under and to see this dragon, you can get pretty close to it. That's like the closest you've ever really been to like an animatronic that large. Like it's mm-hmm. you're not, you know, that, not that far, far away. Yeah, far away from it. But that is a a cool little thing. I feel like the whole castle in general was impressive because then you could go inside the castle and go up, and then they have stained glass windows that you can view that tell the story of. Uh, Sleeping Beauty. So they're also really colorful and beautiful and kind of cool because you can go on the outside of the castle as well and kind of look out um, on the back side of the castle. Yeah, you can kind of get a good view of Fantasyland. I think the other thing, you know, that they have in, in Disneyland Paris is they have a lot of kind of like the dragon where it's just kind of like a little nook you can kind of get lost in and, and see this dragon and move on. They have a lot of like mazes and things like that. So they have the Alice in Wonderland labyrinth, which is you know a walkthrough maze. That's a lot of fun. But then they also have over by Pirates of the Caribbean, they have a pirate ship and they have just kind of all these walkways that it, it's, you can explore, you can go into a cave and then one of them goes up to a rope bridge and, and kind of a little adventure course almost around there. And they have mm-hmm. this, it's just, it's built that they have all these like just cool little like nooks and crannies that you can walk to and kind of discover things that, you know, you could, you could easily walk past them if you're just, Hey, I need to get to Pirates of the Caribbean and you'll never know they're there. But if you have some time and you're walking around, you can get lost in some of this stuff for yeah. 15 or 20 minutes and have a different perspective on the parks or, or see stuff that maybe other people would miss. And it, and it makes for just a, a unique experience where, you know, I feel like, you know, in Disney World, a lot of times it's just, hey, go from one attraction to another. And again, it can be more crowded. You, you kind of have your game plan. Whereas there, it does 
you know, add like a different level of kind of just like leisure and, and exploration that you have at the parks. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, again, it, it kind of goes with the, the general theming that I've picked up in Europe just in general, which was they take a lot of pride in the appearance of things, you know, things look nice and there might be like a certain, and then there, there was a certain level of function to it as well as it kind of created again, like an, an additional attraction. I mean, there was a, an Aladdin walkthrough attraction as well, which we haven't really talked about yet, which was really interesting. It was just sort of, you know, it was, it was a walkthrough. They had little dioramas of all the kind of major scenes from Aladdin and they were really cool. And it was, you know, probably a th- three, four minute thing. But it was, again, just a little area that you can explore, get lost in. Not a lot of people, you know, there and you can just enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, overall, you know, Disneyland Paris is not as crowded as the U.S. park. So I think, you know, 20 million people or so a year go to the Magic Kingdom. I think Disneyland Paris, there's about nine to 10 million. So they get half the and crowds, all nine to 10 million were there on the last there, couple days that we were there. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of that, and I think, and I think for that reason, the park felt bigger to me. I mean, I, I definitely think main street was wider. Main street definitely felt wider. Like you had more space there, but I do think because again, you're getting about half as many people, you know, any given day that you are at the magic kingdom or something, the park feels bigger because you're not, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people. Yes, it was crowded. Yes, you know, the wait times got up to maybe close to an hour. But again, early morning, later in the day when it's not as crowded, you know, wait times are 15 minutes. The, the park feels bigger. Like you, you feel like you have some space. So, I mean, it's definitely worth a visit. And I think, you know, a lot of people may look at it as, you know, what's the point of going? I ha- I've ridden all these rides before. I've been on space mountain again we've talked about space mountain being very different but i've been on big thunder mountain i've been on it's a small world but but they're different i've been on pirates of the caribbean but but it's it's different so unfortunately we didn't get to ride it's a small world it was closed for refurbishment but we rode pirates of the caribbean i really liked it i thought it was better than disneyland's version um i think disneyland's version is too slow in the beginning i think this was much more interesting in the beginning it's i like i like disneyland's version better just for the record okay all right uh, I liked it, but like Big Thunder Mountain, you know, we've ridden Big Thunder Mountain and it's very similar. It's like, hey, why do we need to ride this? It's the same ride. It's very different. The final drop at the end, you must go under the water because I just felt like we just kept going and going that we dropped further than we went up. And it was it was a lot of fun. It was a different experience uh, that kind of caught me off guard and, and added an additional thrill that I wasn't expecting. So when you travel to these parks, even if you've ridden the attraction at Walt Disney World and you're going to Disneyland or you know, you've been to Disneyland and now you're going to Disneyland Paris, they're different enough. I mean, they're similar, of course, obviously, but they're different enough that they add this kind of unexpected thrill to them. So definitely recommend like if you go to another park, if you go internationally, don't just write off an attraction. Oh, I've been on that one. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the, you know, the, the funnest things we did when we went to Tokyo was riding into small world and seeing all the characters, yes. all the Disney characters. I mean, you're so excited about it. Like we have to ride it again and again because we missed them. Some of them the first time yeah. and we got to go and see all the characters. So it's little things like that, that kind of just, you know, add excitement and add a little bit more magic when you're going to these parks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just kind of, it's like seeing a b- bizarro version of the park or kind of like a, 
a real life version of one of those panels in magazines that spot the difference panels. Yes, ex- exactly like that. I, I think kind of a last thing I wanted to mention also is with the pins. The pins over there are on another level. They oh are gosh. like as big as your hand. They've had some of the, the biggest pins and the nicest pins I've ever seen. Now, pin training works a little bit differently. So we, we saw all these cast members with these incredible pins. We're like, those pins are huge. You know, we, we didn't have any pins to trade. They're like, we're like, oh, we'll, we'll buy a starter pack because these pins look great. We got to trade for them. So we bought a starter pack. And then we found out the cast members walking around with pins, those are just their pins. They're not trading. So like in Walt Disney World, if any cast member has a pin, you can just walk up and trade with them. You can't do that at Disneyland Paris. They have to have it on their lanyard. Yes, they have to have a pin trading lanyard. So we bought... We bought all these pins. We bought a starter pack. So I think we got like four or five pins. And then we went to trade with somebody because they had, again, huge pins, really awesome. And they're like, oh, no, these aren't for trading. You have to go somebody with a lanyard. But we did get lucky. We did trade for some really great ones. Yes. I'd love to explain this one. So we walked up to one of the people who was wearing a lanyard. And I immediately spotted she has a chubby pin on. Now, I look at her and I she goes and she goes which pin would you which like? is pretty amazing because they they don't, don't have chubby yeah I haven't seen chubby pins at all or, or much in right the, way the, of on, the only chubby exposure they would have is in the cartoons because I believe he's in a few of the cartoons so I point out and I said I'll have the chubby one and she goes uh, the, the who and I go chubby he's a little orange bird and she's like what is chubby and I'm and I had to explain you know he's the bird from Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and. Uh, he's really, you know, kind of the B story in the in the ride. And she had no idea had the no gold. Clue. She had no idea the gold that she had on her lanyard. So yeah, right. so you made that was the first trade you made, and so I, it made it worth it right there. Yeah, we we bought the starter pack. We tried trading with somebody like, oh, you can't do it. You got to find a lanyard. There's not many people to trade with though. But I will tell you, when you find them, they got gold. <laughs> they got gold because yeah, we we got cheap. We got a couple other like pretty cool pins. Yeah, like, I, I got a green goblin one. Yeah, you got a green goblin. I think I got a um, I think I think I got a cool. I don't know if it was Buzz Lightyear. Well, I think we bought the Buzz Lightyear, but yeah, there were a couple just interesting pins that we were able to get. And again, they were higher quality than the ones you see in Disney World. Yeah, they're huge. I mean, the ones even you can buy are, are very big. They have very nice pins over there. So if you're into pins. I, you could definitely, you know, there's great ones to buy. And if you're into trading, you know, take some to trade because, you, you you know, you may find a, a pretty cool pin to trade for. Yeah, I got a really cool, it's like Stitch wearing a top hat and he's standing in front of the singing heads from the Haunted Mansion. They had a lot of really cool like Phantom Manor pins. I ended up getting three. I got a Goofy holding a lantern and uh, Chip and Dale with the, um, with the uh, Madame Leota's head in it. So it just really cool cool pins all right so i think that wraps up our recap though a lot a lot going on again definitely recommend if you're in europe if you're if you like disney you're near paris head over i think it was a lot of fun i think a couple days you can get through kind of everything you need to get through Um, but it's definitely worth a visit i enjoyed it uh overall and i definitely would go back i think to your point once they do some of the expansion and they get some of the, the new rides over there would definitely uh, be a place I'd visit again. Absolutely. Um, just Paris in general. I loved Paris. I thought it was a beautiful city. Everyone was kind. A lot of people, again, just almost just like in Disney World, a lot of people, as soon as they picked up that we were English speakers, because I did learn some French, um, they appreciated that I learned some French and then they would 
switch over to English for me so that we could, you know, I could order food or whatever it was. So I, I really just enjoyed Paris in general and would love to go back, would love to get over to London as well when we're over there. So yeah, take that opportunity to do a little traveling while you're in Europe because man, those countries are so close together. Definitely. All right. But want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so already, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.